Hello everybody, this is Lindsay with Tea Time with Linz and today is Sunday and we're doing a little bonus episode for you. Today we have Ewan Jay. Um, Ewan Jay is an actor, but also right now, uh, really important, Ewan is actually looking for a kidney. So if anybody has an extra kidney they can donate, then go to www.gofundme.com forward slash kidney for Ewan Jay. You can also go hashtag kidney for Ewan. Um, that would be absolutely insanely marvellous this is only a 22 minute episode so hopefully we'll be doing a part two but there is so much in this episode it is jam-packed so sit back enjoy and again hashtag kidney for Iran. how are you doing just with all the kidney stuff i'm hanging in there you know it's one day at a time some days are better than others today's a good day that's so. good are you getting any luck with the responses um, I think so. They the hospital can't really tell me much information because um, of like you know laws and whatnot, whatnot. But a few people have contacted me and said they've been calling to try to match, and you know they're getting responses. So okay, yeah, my friend has. I think she's called like three or four times because I never got a response. Not yet, no. So. Hmm. So she was like, well, I'm not having kids, so I may as well do something. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. Great. Good for you. I mean, if I could, I would, but you know. <laughs> I think I'll, I'll, be her, I'll be her kid. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know we don't have too much time. So I just wanted to start just with you explaining your journey so far in the whole acting okay. YouTube world. All right, so you went to Missouri State University. I went to Missouri State for undergrad uh -huh. and got a degree, a bachelor's of fine arts in theater performance. Lovely. And then while I was there, I didn't really do much theater. Um, quick history on Springfield, Missouri, where my school was. It's the last place where the last legal public lynching took place in 1905. Oh, um, so a lot of that history still is in that city. Yeah, um, I believe in my freshman class in college, there was about, I think there was 3,700 students in my freshman class and only 40 of us were African-American. <sighs> um, so I didn't get many opportunities to do plays because they didn't do anything that required black actors and they didn't really believe in colorblind casting either um, because oh they had an audience. They had an audience that they had to please. And that audience was mainly, you know, Southerner, you know, white Bible belt, you know, older senior citizens. And they weren't gonna come see, you know, plays of black people on stage. So I, I only did one play in college. And you undergrad. Three, four years. I was there for four years. Four yeah. years, <laughs> one play. Yeah, crazy, right? Oh my gosh. So I was getting close to graduating. I didn't really feel ready to uh -huh. go out into the professional world. Uh-huh. And so I was like, well, what do I do? I was like, maybe I go to grad school. So by the time I decided to apply for grad school, it was really late in the game. And there was only one school, one of only one school that I was interested in available to audition for at that time. Everybody else had already finished auditions. 
So I drove, me and a friend drove through a blizzard to get to Chicago, <gasps> Illinois, uh-huh. so I can audition for the theater school at DePaul University. That's an amazing school. I get to this audition. Uh-huh. It's a good school. It's a great school. Yeah. So I get there, and it's the last audition of the season, and there's people everywhere, everywhere. Uh-huh. There's probably close to like 500 people there. Just auditioning. And just auditioning. Yeah. Wow. So a buddy of mine, uh, Mark Roberts, who lives in Chicago, went with me. He's a blue man now in Vegas, blue man group. Uh-huh. Um, so we're sitting there. Jason Beck gets up to talk about the program and what to expect from the audition. And he says, you know, graduate students, raise your hand if you're here to gra- audition for the graduate program. So I raise my hand. And maybe about 100 other, pe- 100 other people raise their hand. And he said, so we've auditioned right around 3,500 people for the graduate program. And I was like, oh, wow, that's a lot. And then he goes, and we only take five girls and five boys every year out of that 3,500. And I turned to my friend, Mark, and I was like, hey, man, let's just go. Let's just leave. I'm not going to get in school. So disheartening. And I felt that way because undergrad I really I never was my my talent never was appreciated or vindicated you know I didn't get opportunities so I didn't really believe in myself either yeah and we had to do a Shakespeare monologue I didn't have any Shakespeare training in undergrad no Shakespeare training in high school so I had no idea about Shakespeare yeah I picked out a Shakespeare play from um what what monologue did I do oh I did a monologue uh, Oberon monologue Oh, I could get midsummer, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I had no, I had no <laughs> idea what I was talking about, though. I just memorized the words, yeah. and I knew that he was the king of the fairies, <laughs> and I was like, I'm just gonna move like a fairy. Like, <laughs> I didn't know about, I didn't know about, uh, I am a big tameter. I didn't know how to break down the text of Shakespeare. It's hard. I didn't know any if, of that. If you don't know it, I didn't know any of that. I find it hard still. Fuck. Do you? Yeah. I mean, the stuff that I know, I know inside out, but that's only like three plays. Like all the other plays I know, so, I don't know. I couldn't memorize them. You know, it would just, so it would take a long in time. America, it's tough. So in an American's mind, we think that you guys grow up on that. Like, it's I like mean, your second language. We kind of like in theater, you kind of do, but it's still really hard unless you sit down and break it down with the teacher or like, you know a director or whatever it's rough so because i remember doing hamlet and just like reading it one way and the director was like it's actually this way and i was just like oh okay so yeah (laughs) it actually means this (laughs) yeah so you going in blind is kind of incredible going in blind and then i had i picked another monologue about was it my other mother audition monologue was about a guy it was really weird. I, and I t- I'll tell you why I picked it. It was about a guy, his husband was dying of AIDS. And the monologue is him at his husband's uh, bedside as his husband is dying of AIDS. Uh-huh. And I picked that because my uncle, when I was 20, died of AIDS. Oh. 
And so that's why I picked that model. Like, like it'll mean something to me and maybe yeah. I can emote better. And so my buddy talked me into staying. I do the model, I do the audition. It was the weirdest audition. Um, it was just a lot of stuff that I didn't do in undergrad because DePaul is a movement-based program. Uh-huh. So when I found that out, I was like, oh man, I'm going to kill him with these fairy movements. <laughs> <laughs> a movement-based, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to over this room so I do it um I leave I get back to Springfield Missouri I'm at my house like a week later and I get a letter in the mail from DePaul saying that I got in it was I mean it was amazing I got in five Um, guys and I had to raise like 60 bucks I had to raise 600 to rate to hold my position at the, at the school and the program. So then I went to DePaul for three years for grad school. I was in Chicago in the middle of this amazing theater, Mecca. Uh-huh. Um, lots of stuff happened at DePaul, uh, but it was, a good, it was a good time. It was a good time. I really found myself as an artist. Yeah. Um, and DePaul is great because it's a conservatory. So everybody gets an opportunity to act in plays every semester. Oh my gosh. So we did three shows a year. So I did a total of nine shows where I was at the ball. It was, it was like, I felt like I caught up Yeah. from I was behind and then I catch up in my artistic journey in Chicago. Um, and then as soon as I graduated, I hit the ground running. I did a, a show at Steppenwolf Theater in Chicago. Um, I did a show at the Goodman. Um, like I was getting all of this like praise. I had an agent. And I started doing commercials and voiceover. And then one day I woke up and I was like, I don't want to live in Chicago anymore. And How long were you? I you must have been mom. there, what, four or five years at that point? So I was there for three years, plus three years. So I was there six years at that six point. Six years. That's a good long, lengthy time in Chicago. Chicago is amazing. But winters, I yeah. know, are definitely brutal. Winters six, are you've, Yeah, you've done your time in Chicago. So... I called my mom and I said, mom, I don't want to be in Chicago anymore. And she's like, are you coming back to Kansas City, Missouri? And I'm like, no, I'm not coming back to Kansas City. I'm going to LA. Yes. And she's like, how are you going to go to LA? You don't have any money. And I said, I have $387 saved up and I have a free plane ticket on Southwest Airlines. I'm going to Los Angeles. I love that. So I bought, I got that free plane ticket one way. Got on a plane. Yep. I got to Los Angeles. I stayed with um, two friends from graduate school. They lived in Redondo Beach at the time. Uh-huh. Is that rain too loud? No. Can you hear the rain? I could hear it just then, but I can't hear it in general. Mm-mm. Okay. Good. So um, I'll get closer to And so I stayed with them for two weeks. And then these are, you know, people who I consider like family. Yeah. Right. And they came to me and they told me one day that um, they got their landlord told them that they couldn't have a guest longer than two weeks. Uh And I didn't have anywhere to go. They knew that. And I was like, I will work it out because I didn't want them to get in trouble. Yeah. So I left the next day. I had my car had got there. I shipped my car. I shipped my car there. My car had got there like two days before. So everything was in my car and I was like, I'll just 
sleep in my car until I find a place to live and a job. So I slept in my car for about two and a half months in Los Angeles. Fucking hell. Um, and I found a job. And then I started working. I was showering at uh, a 24-hour fitness. Mm-hmm. And every day. <laughs> and I got a job at AAA working overnight. And I started working there and I saved up some money and I got an apartment with a guy that I knew that was looking for a roommate. Nice. And then once that happened, like I felt like I had a good footing. Like I just slept in my car for two and a half months. I made it through that. I could make it through anything. Mm-hmm. And then like as soon as I got that apartment, as soon as I like really adjusted to LA, uh-huh. I got a commercial agent and I started booking commercials like I was there maybe, that was like my, my, my seventh month in Los Angeles. I booked my first national commercial. Jesus. That's... And I thought that, I was like, oh, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be famous. <laughs> <laughs> I've only been here for seven months. I went, this is it. I made it. I'm the next Denzel Washington. <laughs> Um, I'm looking. I'm like, I'm going to work with Will Smith in his next movie. It's going to be amazing. Well, you will None work. of that ever happened. No, it hasn't um, happened yet. I did. What'd you say? It hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. So I, then I, uh, I booked two pilots. Uh huh. And in my set, my second year in Los Angeles. And after I booked the bigger of the two pilots with Cedric the Entertainer. Uh-huh. We shot eight episodes. And I was like, again, I've made it. This yeah. is it. I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> that's kind of unheard of as well. This is it. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So then the pilot show, neither one of those shows got picked up. And I didn't know what that, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what it felt like. Yeah. Um, and then like soon after that, my aunt passed away here in Kansas City, uh-huh. and it was on my father's side of the family. They didn't have much money, so I, you know, decided to help pay for some of the funeral costs. Mm-hmm. I just made this money from these pilots. Yeah, that was a mistake because I never got that money back, which is okay. It went to a good cause, but I didn't have a job. The pilots yeah. didn't get me because I had to quit. To, I had to quit AAA to keep those pilots, and I didn't have a job. I didn't have any money coming in, and then I, I found myself not being able to pay rent. Oh no! And then I found myself back in my car again. Oh. <sighs> and oh my gosh! I was like, okay, I've done it. I've done it before. I can do it again. I was calling shelters. I found a shelter that allowed men. Because a lot of shelters in LA are just women or family shelters. Uh-huh. So I found a shelter in Van Nuys that allowed men. And I had to be there by 6.30 p.m. to check in for my bed. Uh-huh. And I, so I was like, okay. So I put all of my stuff in storage, but I couldn't fit my mattress in there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'll drive my mattress to my buddy, Eddie Jordan. I'll give him a mat- my mattress because he needed a mattress. And he lived in this really tiny studio apartment down in like mid mid uh, like mid century city type area, like yeah, like right by Wilshire. 
I drive the mattress to him. I help him take it upstairs to his studio apartment, put it on the floor. And I'm like, all right, I got to get to this shelter. And he's like, where are you going? I was like, oh, to Van Nuys. And he goes, no, I wanted you to bring your bed here because you're going to sleep in it. You're just going to stay here with me as long as possible. I know it's small, but I have an air mattress. You have a bed and we'll just make it work. Oh. And I haven't, I hadn't cried like that. Yeah. like that was the nicest thing somebody had done for me in my entire life I felt like mm. literally I think saved my life um, and I stayed and me and Eddie these two grown men stayed in this small studio apartment oh. for four months <gasps> four months and then in that four months I didn't act I quit acting actually and um, to focus I was like I'm just going to focus I'm going to do music I'm going to uh-huh. be creative that way that's something I can control. Um, had a band made at the time, Eric Richardson. And we had a band called Those Acoustic Cats. And I was like, I'm just going to write music and perform music wherever we can perform on the streets or you know, if we get shows. Mm-hmm. And I won't act anymore. I got a job, ended up getting a job at Lowe's Hotels in Hollywood. And that's how I got enough money to move out of Eddie's studio and get an apartment. Um, the apartment I got ended up being roach infested. Oh my gosh. Heron, this is just... And so I had to find another place to live. Uh, I know, right? I left that apartment and I found a roommate on uh, Craigslist back when Craigslist was still useful. Yep. And I stayed <laughs> with that guy. Because <laughs> um, I feel like Craigslist is full of like uh, pedophiles and crazy people. Now. Yeah. Yeah. So I stayed with that roommate for three years in North Hollywood. And in that three years, I found my acting bug again. Yep. And, you know, I started submitting to agents again. I didn't have any representation. I got some agents and I started going out again. I started booking a little bit here and there. Um, I'm working at the hotel at the same time, like 40 to 50 hours a week. My gosh. And then I booked my first guest star on a show called Casey Undercover. It was a Disney show with Zendaya. Mm -hmm. And I did that. And it was an amazing, amazing experience. Um, And what's funny is every time I have like an incredible high, Mm -hmm. I I always know that there's an incredible low coming right after. Oh, yeah. So the third day I was on set. Uh Uh-huh. So the third day I was on set for Casey Undercover, uh, my roommate calls me and says, hey, are you busy? I was like, well, I'm on set. But no, I mean, I'm in my dressing room right now. What's up? He's like, so I just talked to uh, Joanna, who was his girlfriend at the time, Mm -hmm. and said, you know, she really wants to move in. I'm thinking about proposing. Um you mind finding another place to live i'm gonna give you like 45 days <laughs> i was like what um okay yeah i mean i don't want to get in the way of love yeah. you know <laughs> and i'm like yeah I'll, I'll make it work and i was like when am i gonna get money to move and how am i gonna find a place to live because my credit was just terrible at the time uh-huh. because of student loans and 
it kind of worked itself out because she was moving from a one bedroom apartment and she had an idea one day. She's like, hey, why don't I talk to my landlords and see if they'll let you move in there without a credit check? Oh. Just on my recommendation. And then I'll come here. And I was like, well, how much is the rent? And at the time it was like 1200 bucks. And I was like, I think I can swing that. And, you know, and I'll use the money from Casey Undercover to pay my deposit because I'm getting, I'm going to get that. I was like, maybe it'll work. So she talked to them. I met them. They did not do a credit check um, because of her recommendation. Mm -hmm. And that's been my apartment for the last six years in Los Angeles. Oh my gosh. You know, it's fantastic. Like, you know, I get to live by myself in LA, which is, you know, everybody has a roommate. Everyone has a roommate. Yeah. Your roommate is your husband. It and is. your child. And my child. Yeah, you have two roommates. Two and a dog. You have a dog, a too. Dog. And, the- <laughs> um, and so, yeah. So the last six years, I would say, haven't necessarily been easy. But they, ne- they haven't been really full of much strife. Yeah. Up until now, you know, last April, you know, right after COVID happened and everything shut down. And then my kidneys failed. So that's kind of where I am now. And I haven't done anything artistic since my kidneys. I've been dealing with this. You've got a lot going on and COVID, you know. And COVID. And I relocated back here to Kansas City because the wait for a kidney is shorter. Uh But I will say this. I have not lost the itch to create and to be a creator. Yeah, I don't think you will lose that. I think it's always going to be there for you. Yeah. Yeah. So like I'm, I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to being able to get this kidney transplant and to get back to Los Angeles and to create more with all of my friends and we can do Christmas party part two. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. The return of Gary. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. All right, well, yeah, everyone, it was so- really fantastic talking to you. I've just, thank you so much. All right, love you, girlie. And thank you again for listening to the bonus episode with Iran J. Thank you, Iran, for being with us. And once again, like I said at the beginning of the show, Iran is looking for a kidney. www.gofundme.com forward slash kidney for Iran J. Also hashtag kidney for Iran. So far, they've raised about $42,000 out of a $100,000 goal for medical expenses. But money, kidneys, whatever you can donate. Absolutely. 100% grateful to anything. All right, Iran, thank you again so much for being with us. 